Welcome to the official podcast of the Mount Rubidoux Seventh-day Adventist Church. Thank you for joining us on our series, Inside Out. Our speaker for today is Michael B. Kelly II. He brings us the message entitled Diary of an Angry Black Woman. I want to talk to you a little bit under the subject, The Diary of an Angry Black Woman. Let's pray. Father, be with us today. We got some serious stuff we need to talk about, and we need you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name, that all of God's children say amen and amen. Somebody would say, why isn't this a sermon reserved for February? As we say here at the church... We're black all year long. I, someone say it's Mother's Day, though. It's Happy Day. It's like Women's Day. We need to celebrate that. And I look at what's been happening in the last few years, not just the last few years that we've just been made aware of. If you listen to this incredible podcast, and I'm really just talking to you all today, no preaching today. If you listen to this incredible podcast by Malcolm Gladwell, I want you to look up the State versus Johnson episode, and there are two episodes with that. Also want you to look at the episode on the board of Brown versus Education. Incredible thing. So we can't say police violence is something new. We can't say injustice is something new. It's been happening for years. We just have cameras now and 24-hour news cycles and social media to discuss it and talk about it. And what has been the talk mostly in the black community has really been what has been happening to our, our, our black men as we look at what takes place uh, with them in, in police and we look at the Michael Browns and all these different cases of black men being killed. We look at the stereotype of a black male and how we hear different individuals are intimidated by them, whether they're bigger and, and darker and stronger and that almost makes you deal with them. I remember Shaquille O'Neal had to deal with them with that same thing from the standpoint of if you foul him and he doesn't move, just because he doesn't move doesn't mean it's not a foul. But he was punished for, for being bigger. He was punished for his size. And we started to see this a lot with black men. And so there was this sympathy, obviously, and well should there be with black men. And, and, and then in the midst of that, we forgot about something else that actually has happened. And this last week, if you've been paying attention to the news, really ought to catch your attention as a 34-year-old graduate African-American woman working on her paper at Yale University falls asleep and one of her white sisters looks at her and simply because she's black I don't care what anybody else says simply because she's black the thought is you could not possibly belong here three other black women coming out of an air BNB that they paid for with their own money but because they're coming out of a nice home and they've got suitcases, the assumption is now made that you must have been doing something wrong because how could you, as a black person, now be able to afford that? As a matter of fact, if we can start taking this even a little bit further, we discover that even in the Me Too movement, those kinds of things, sexual harassment and assault and something that we'll be talking about in just a moment has been happening to sisters forever. But it wasn't until our white sisters started to say something. 
started to make a little noise, and now everyone wants to be able to pay attention. There's something wrong. And I've discovered, not only through my reading and study, but experience, that one of the hardest persons to be in the United States of America is a black female. It's tough. Because not only do you have to deal with the overt and covert racism from all of those around you, but you even have to deal with sexism from your own brothers. I'm reminded of the scene in the, the, the movie Hidden Figures where uh, she, uh, Taraji Henson's character is talking. I forget the brother's name uh, who's in Luke Cage, the bad guy in, in season one of Luke Cage. I forget his name. Some of y'all Marvel heads know who I'm talking about. But she's talking to him, and, and she's sharing with him how she works at NASA. And even from her own brother, her own somebody who would understand, he put her almost in her place, not willing to believe that a female could have that role. And so y'all get it. From all sides. It's tough and it's hard. And a lot of times I know you feel by yourself. And if we can be very honest with ourselves, I know some people are like, well, pastor, we've got different thoughts and different ideas, you know, about some of these different things. But that's why you will hear and you will see that we are so big on this idea of what takes place with women's ordination. And y'all think that it's simply a theological thing, but it's not a theological thing. It's a sexist thing because it is not based on simply theology. And oh, being ordained is not a big thing. There are different things that our women cannot get that I can get. There are things they cannot do that I can do because ordination is not allowed on them. And what kills me is the charge for this are black men. Yeah, it might be from different countries and in Africa, but people of color. And so even in the church, there's no refuge. As a matter of fact, when you read the Bible and when you see what the Bible has to say about women, I always remind people the Bible reports the news. It doesn't condone behavior. The Bible reports the news. It doesn't condone behavior. The Bible reports the news. It doesn't condone behavior. The Bible reports the news. I'm going to say that again. It doesn't condone behavior. But when you look at the news of the time, you can even see what's taking place with women. It's tough. It's hard and it's difficult. And then as we... As we read and we listen to some of what was said in this video, and, and, and I, had to, I had to play that, and I hope it made you a little bit uncomfortable, because man, as I sat there and looked at it, I came to this conclusion, y'all can't win for losing. Because you see, if you are a stay-home mom, you know, then you're lazy, you're, you're, you're the main man. They can't get a job. It really can't take care of itself. But not only are you expected to then maybe stay home and take care of the family, but now in 2018, you're expected to take care of the family, the kids, and pull in a job. Now, if you decide to be that wife that keeps herself looking good and handles her business in the bedroom for her husband, Like 1 Corinthians 6 says that a man and a woman should, hey, we got men's day coming. I'm talking to ladies now. But when you do that, keep yourself in shape and keep yourself together and are sexually appropriate inside of the marriage bed. Now you're labeled a, 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 a sapphire or this, or, or this promiscuous person because now your sexiness is not allowed to be exuded even when it's properly exuded at home. Your hair short, 
Hey, babe, need you to get some extra hair. Then you get the extra hair. But, babe, now I need you to work out. But they don't even understand working out with that stuff. <laughs> we were made a little different. Come on now. So you, you, you can't win for losing. You work twice as hard to get half as much. And, and so then we ask this, this question, and the stereotype is, and, and that's why, as much as I love to support some of the black movies and all those different things that come out, but some of them just perpetuate the stereotype and make it as if this idea of this angry black woman, listen to me carefully, is, is somehow a problem. And we support that stuff. Let's be real. Y'all watch The Housewives of Atlanta. Every episode, somebody throwing something in somebody's face and, and somebody being angry. And then watch this. I need you all to watch. It's slick and it comes in. Therefore, here's what the idea is. We don't think that black women should be able to be angry. I got to tell you, black women have a right to be angry. They have a right to be angry from the standpoint of that they are the ones that, that are the least likely to get married, yet they have the most children. Yes, that they are angry, that they've got to take care of home and go out there in the workplace. Yes, they are angry from the disrespect that they get from their own brothers and sisters who want to call them queens out of one mouth, but then have lyrics that call them hoes and bees out of another mouth. Yes, they're angry because they work twice as hard to have to get half as much. And what the Bible says is it's not a problem being angry. It's why you're angry. And when you start thinking about the things that anger sisters, it's not, oh, you got my man. It's not simply she wearing my outfit. It's not simply she stopped talking to me. She thinks she's better than that. Sisters are angry and rightfully so because things aren't right when it comes to them. And the Bible, believe it or not, and we're in our series Inside Out and we're still sticking with that, which is why you see one of the colors of those characters is red. Next week we're talking about sadness and depression. But, but, but here's what we understand. The Bible gives us permission to be angry. It gives us permission to be angry. But when they stereotype us as angry black women, or even in some cases, angry black people, then when you're angry for the right reasons, they dismiss it. Oh, that's just another angry black woman. No, it's not. It's a woman who's angry because she's fed up with injustice. She's fed up with poor treatment, and it is expressed, yes, in some cases emotionally, and in some cases with veracity, but being strong is not wrong, and being strong is not a problem, and neither is being angry. The question is, no, we're not, we should be angry. So, the Bible has some very interesting things when it, when it, says to ang when it, when it comes to anger. The, the, the main text that we're going to be spending some time with is going to be Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. I want to read you a few of those verses from uh, the Bible. I want to read you a few of those verses from the Bible. Ephesians 4 verse 26 in a different few versions. First, the New Century Version. When you are angry. Do you hear what it said? When. When you are angry, do not sin and be sure to stop being angry before the end of the day. Do not give the devil a way to defeat you. Contemporary English version, don't get so angry that you sin. It didn't say don't get angry at all. It just version saying don't get so angry that you sin. Don't go to bed angry and don't give the devil a chance. New American Standard Version, be angry 
and yet do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil, I love this, an opportunity. And then finally, the Message Bible, I like this. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry. But don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. And don't go to bed angry. I love this. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. What's so interesting is the Bible does not say that we ought not be angry. As a matter of fact, it makes it very clear that we will be angry. One of the most common emotions that all of us will experience is anger. Some people are angry at this sermon right now. Some people are angry. The preacher is just getting up to preach. It's almost one o'clock. Oh, we're angry. All of us get angry in different ways. It just comes out differently. Some of our anger sits inside and it hangs out for a little bit. And then when finally someone pushes you the wrong way, everything from two weeks ago comes boiling out on them. Some of you are different kinds of angry. I like the ones that are, that are loud angers. I like that. Like, I want you to to yell at me, and if you got to use foul language, use that. Because the scary angries are the ones that is like, okay. Right? Like, brother, you know, if if, if she's quiet, it's about, why don't you just just go to sleep? (laughs) Shoot. Yell. Say something, right? That's why I, 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 need, I need a little bit, a little bit back. But here's the thing. We all get angry. Anybody says, oh, you know, I don't get angry. You're lying. You get angry. You're supposed to get angry. That's actually part of the problem as some of us don't get angry. It's just what we're getting angry at. The Bible actually has different words to describe uh, anger. And here are some of those words. The two most frequently used New Testament words for anger are thumos and orge. Thumos means a turbulent commotion. Sounds like some of your homes. Turbulent, commotion. Another one, an explosive temper or rage. It's also used approximately 20 times in the New Testament, this word orge. It is a long-lasting attitude that continues to seek revenge. Help us, Jesus. Isn't it interesting? The Greek word is orge. So those who seek revenge are like an ogre. continuously seeking ways that you can exact your anger and revenge on somebody. A third word, which is used five times in the New Testament, is agonoctesis, and it is translated as indignation, and it means anger without inappropriate behavior. Did you catch that? Anger without inappropriate behavior. And so we see various times in Scripture where there is inappropriate anger, revenge, and people seeking out and wanting to hurt somebody. But then we also see in different places in Scripture where there is appropriate anger. We can begin very clearly with what maybe a lot of us are familiar with, with the book of Revelation. The Bible says that God is angry. He's got a cup that is filled with the wrath of his indignation. And he's going to pour out that stuff on all of those who would dare have done all what they've done to us. Because he's like, you don't mess with my kids. I get angry with that. As a matter of fact, if you go throughout the scripture, you will discover that anger isn't the problem. And I keep saying this over and over again because I need you to get this. Anger is not the problem, but we see where we are with God when we see what we're angry at. 
And as I look at us as a people, listen to me carefully, I discover that there is a lot sometimes that is missing from where we are with God and being close with God and wrapped up and tied up with God because the Bible says that when I become one with Jesus Christ, my enemies become his enemies and his enemies become my enemies. And so now when I'm one with God, the things that bother and upset him bother and upset me. But when I look at the church, I see that the things that bother and upset us, God don't care about. Y'all missing that. I'm going to say that again. The things that bother and upset us, you can't find in Scripture where God is upset about. Show me a place. I'm not saying this is our our particular context. I'm just talking in general now. You can't find a place where God is upset with drums. You can't show me a place where God is upset, whether someone wears a suit in a pulpit or not. You can't show me a place in the scripture where God is angry because of somebody going out and hanging out with friends and having a good time as long as they're keeping that thing in context. You can't show me those things in scripture, but I can show you when he's angry when the poor aren't taken care of. I can't show you where he's angry when, when, when the homeless don't have a place to stay. And here's the thing that blows my mind. There are people inside of our organization who get angry at everything except the things that God is angry at. They form whole ministries and thoughts and are angry and will talk and try to move people out the way. And God isn't angry at that. And there's a problem because what God says is when you're angry at the wrong thing, you open up your heart for the devil to come in. So I need y'all to follow me carefully. And so when you're angry, even at something in church that is not a righteous anger, the devil still comes in. angry because you think you're holding up the standards. You think you're protecting the integrity of the church. And God is like this. Here's what I say all the time. I say, I'm waiting for the phone call to complain about the fact that we have not reached the 61,000 unchurched people in this neighborhood. I've been here nine years and ain't gotten one call like that. Ain't nobody angry about that. Ain't nobody angry about the fact that there are African-Americans here in our particular community that have the lowest GPA in the city of Riverside? I was angry at that. I'll tell you what, we can be angry. Lights in church. (laughs) And I'm not minimizing. Here's what I'm saying. I'm I'm not saying you can't say something about it and have a point of view on it, but you can't be angry about it. You can't be angry on lights and not angry on kids that don't know Jesus. Are y'all following me? I want to show you something in the Bible. This is crazy. I want to show you something in the Bible very quick. Mark chapter 5. I want you to look at Mark chapter 5. I want you to look at this. This thing, this thing blew my mind, man. This thing blew my mind. I'm in Matthew. Let's go to Mark. Now, I want you to look, I'm sorry, Mark 3, verse 5. Mark 3, verse 5. Got that backwards. Mark 3 and verse 5. Let me start actually verse 1. He entered again into a synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. His hand was what, everybody? He's withered. They were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, get up and come forward. And he said to them, is it lawful to do good 
or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life, or to kill it. But the Bible says they kept silent. And then look at what Jesus says after looking around at them with anger. He looked at them, and Jesus was angry. He was sickened to his stomach, and that's where the Greek word uses, and grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Now, let's be good Bible students. Jesus was upset because they were more concerned about the law and keeping this ridiculous law that they had and misconstruing this idea of keeping Sabbath while they let somebody suffer, and that angered God. And so here is what you must do, and I use this text now as my guide for a little bit. And I ask myself this question. When I start to see myself getting angry at something, I say, am I on the side of Jesus in this anger? Or am I on the side of the Pharisees? And when I'm not on the side of Jesus, here is what Paul is saying so clearly to each of us. Be careful when your anger is not connected to the things of God. He said, because when you do that, I need you to hear this. You are literally opening up a door and saying, Satan, come in. You don't need a Ouija board. You don't need a Beyonce and Jay-Z CD. You don't need to watch The Exorcist. Just get angry at something that's not rooted in righteousness. And you give an opportunity for the father of lies to come into your heart. And here's what we all can attest to. When you've gotten angry at the wrong stuff, you said the wrong things. You've approached people differently. You've said things you wish that you could take back. You've done some things that you have no business doing. And that's why Paul can say, clearly, it's no longer I that do it. But it's sin that dwells in me. Well, how to get in there, Paul? I opened the door. See, sin can't break your door down. Sin waits for you to open it. If you're also with me, you say amen. So we need to learn, y'all, to be angry at the right stuff. But here's what I want to transition and go today, because it still is Women's Day. Our women, I believe, are under attack. And the attack doesn't simply come from without, I think it also comes from within. And I'm speaking in the context, not, you know, I can speak to a you know, different context in general, but I'm being specific when it comes to our black women. And I want to read you something that is going to be PG-16. <laughs> I think it's important for us to hear. So I just want to give that warning out. Willie Lynch wrote a letter. about how to control the black slaves. It's an interesting letter. I want to read it to you. He says, I have a foolproof method for controlling your black slaves. I guarantee every one of you 
that if installed correctly, it will control the slaves for at least 300 years. He said, take the meanest, most restless nigger and strip him of his clothes in front of the remaining male niggers, female niggers, and nigger infants. Tar and feather him and tie each leg to a horse facing the opposite direction. Set him on fire and beat both horses until they tear him apart in front of the male, female, and nigger infants. Bullwhip and beat the remaining nigger males within an inch of their life. Do not kill them. But put the fear of God in them, for they can be useful for future breeding. Keep the slaves physically strong, but psychologically weak and dependent on the slave master. Keep the body and take the mind. Now, i got to pause here for a moment. I need you to hear that. Keep the slave physically strong, but physiologically and psychologically weak. And that is why I need you to listen very carefully. Don't think that this stuff, it does not still have its, its paws and prints in what happens in society. When they talk about the black quarterback, his athleticism. And how he can escape and maneuver around the pocket in his speed. And we've never seen a 6'5 Cam Newton, 250 pounds who can handle that. But Tom Brady is so intelligent when he reads the field. He can read the defense and he's not athletic, but what he doesn't have in his body, he makes up for in his mind. And so this message is sent because you hear this as the commentators are saying this and the very sports that we are watching. And so now we are taught as, as, as black males in some cases that I won't be able to make it up here. So if I could spend my time in the gym and working out and get my body ready, that's how I'll be able to make it because that's what the world looks at me and accepts me as. Somebody who's physically strong, but psychologically weak. It was intentional. And we buy into it, hook, line, and sinker. That's why I'm trying to get Steph Curry to come here. I love what he did. I love what he did. He went to a high school, a predominantly black high school, and looked at those students and said, most of y'all, 98% of y'all, as a matter of fact, he said 99% of y'all will never make it into the NBA. Oh, but I could do anything. You can't do that. There's something else you can do. And that's why people will never understand how big an idea Barack Obama was. I know you can talk about his policies and all that, and we can argue back and forth with that. But it was a big idea because it showed us that we don't have to be the athletes and the entertainers. We don't have to be. Willie Lynch isn't finished, though. He said, the breaking process of the African woman. He says, we have reversed the relationship in her natural, uncivilized state. She would have a strong dependency on the uncivilized nigger male, and she would have a limited protective tendency toward her independent male offspring and would raise male offspring to be dependent like her. Nature had provided for this type of balance. But we reverse nature by burning and pulling the civilized nigger apart and bull whipping the other to the point of death, all in her presence. By her being left alone, unprotected, with the male image destroyed, the ordeal caused her to move from her uh, psychologically dependent state to a frozen independent state. 
And in this frozen psychological state of independence, she will raise her male and female offspring in reverse roles. For fear of the young man's life, she will psychologically train him to be mentally weak and dependent, but physically strong. Because she has become psychologically independent, she will train her female offspring to be psychologically independent. And what have you got? You've got the nigger woman out front and the nigger man behind and scared. I read that. Now look at how many black women have had to be mommy and daddy. I look and hear the different kinds of things and how when you as a black woman are successful and do well that the brothers are intimidated. Because you got a degree, I, I can't talk to you now. You're right. Because we've been trained to be psychologically weak and, and have a hard time when a, when a black woman is able to express herself intelligently in an argument. It's almost as if, wait a second, you shouldn't be able to hang with me intellectually in that kind of way. And then when we start feeling that pressure, we then go, head of the household. <laughs> Submit. And all of this has taken place within our society. And as we look at the state, not only of our church, but when you look around and the people that we're trying to reach and we're trying to build in, we can see that intentionally the devil has made this thing a mess. And I'm glad we're all here. And I'm glad we're all here. I love that we're all here. But here's what I'm learning. That being in the building doesn't make you safe. But having an understanding of what it means to respect our women is something that even, yes, in 2018, and as much as we might do better than others, we're still challenged here today. And so, maybe you're like, Pastor, okay, this is not like a sermon, but we got to have a little talk, Rubido. We got to talk. And I want to say this, and then here's what I'm going to ask to take place. I'm going to ask all the, the ladies to stand up. And I'd love for you to go to Maintenance Hall just for a little bit. Because I got to talk to the brothers. Not yet. We got to say something to all of us first. We got to say something to all of us first. You're like, wait, it's Women's Day. Why do we have to get up and go? Because if I have the brothers stand up first, they're going to go to the parking lot. Here's all I want to let you know. You here at Mount Rubidoux, because it's meet and greet time, doesn't give anybody the right to touch you in any way. doesn't give you the right to touch somebody in any way, to say certain things. We have a zero tolerance policy here for that. 
And some stuff I know we think may be innocent, but it's not. And it's not innocent simply because, oh, we're in this new era of 2018 and the Me Too movement and all this stuff. And now if you breathe on somebody wrong, something like that. Most of these folk ain't breathing on people wrong. And what I want us to know here is that we have a zero tolerance policy when it comes to individuals crossing the line. And ladies, now I'm going to tell you this. We had a, a discussion about Me Too. Not a lot of people showed up. And then we had an incident at our church. And I hate that I found out about it a month plus later. And it can go both ways. It can go both ways, but it's Women's Day now. Suppose they'll say, hey, well, what about me? They, they hug me a certain way. I get it. Men's Day's in June. <laughs> but today's Women's Day. Ladies, y'all got to say something. And it's okay to say something. And you've got deacons here. You've got pastors here. That if you feel uncomfortable, you got to say something. Because the last place you should feel uncomfortable is in the house of God. Now, I'm going to talk to the brothers in just a moment. If anyone got to go, you're not forced to stay here. But I'm, I'm hoping that you would trust and appreciate this moment enough that you will. There are some of us that have a problem. And we've got opportunities to help you with that problem. But here's what I must say from the pulpit. We believe in grace. And we believe in mercy. And we believe in, 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 in reconnecting and reestablishing individuals and healing them and moving. But there are certain things that when you are struggling and dealing with, if you are a danger to the body of Christ, the grace and mercy and rehabilitation just can't take place in Mount Rubidoux. Because while you're rehabilitating, other people are frightened of a relapse. And you got, and we, we, we're going to help. But we can't allow this disrespect of our women to find its way inside of here. We pray that this message has been a blessing to you, so much so that you would be willing to share it as a witness. As always, thank you again for joining us and tune in weekly for more inspirational messages that will prayerfully give you a more intimate relationship with God.